This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Kia ora, you're listening to the locals on 89.0 Free FM. Pretty much everyone in the Te Aumotu area, and certainly Kehekehe, knows Hazel Barnes. Agree or disagree with her, over decades she's shaped our district. But while many of us know her as being on council, for others she was a nurse and health advocate. I wanted to hear about this side of her life, so we caught up earlier this year. I had planned to ask questions, but when I started recording, and, and this is true... Uh, she spoke for 25 minutes straight before I could ask a second question. So let's crack into it. This is The Locals, and this is Councillor Hazel Barnes. Would you be able to start us out and give us a bit of an idea of where you grew up? What, what was that like? Oh, I had I had a, a really great childhood. Um, I was born at Arapuni Hospital, which is still there, and I've been back a few uh, years ago to have a look at it. It's still there. And at that time, we had a farm outside of Pitararu, uh, but Dad sold that farm, and we moved out. He bought a farm at Newstead, and so I, I was a rural girl, brought up on the farm. But we were expected to work. You know, we were expected to help be out there, as lots of kids are today. They they have their place on the farm. Mine was to feed the calves, teach the calves to, to drink out of a bucket and look after any little piglets that needed looking after. Um, and then we had to help with the haymaking. And, you know, those were the days when you used horses to actually get the hay in. So, it, it, and it was it was really great. Uh, the school was um, the Newstead School. We first of all we went by horses. My older brother would drive the, the, the wagon, and we the four of us would go to school on on, on the on the wagon, and um, and there was a horse paddock at the school where everybody else put their horses while we all um, had it, did our our learning. And then home again after that. As soon as we got home, of course, we had to change. Now, as I got older, uh, we still had our farm jobs to do. But then when I went to college, that, that, and that also meant getting homework done. But I still had to get home. And we couldn't ride horses because we then because we had to get up to the end of the road that I lived in, an unsealed rough road on our bikes and leave our bikes in a safe place there. Well, it was at, at the neighbours. It was all arranged. And, and um, catch the bus into, into school. In the weekends, though, when, when I got into the hockey team, I also had to go from home by cycle into Hamilton, 11 miles, to play my game of hockey and then cycle home again. So I think that we learned, we learned that the hard, not the hard way, because we were very happy doing what we were doing. It was just common practice. Yeah. That was what we knew. That was all we knew, and that was how we thought everybody lived. That that hard, that really energetic, hard way, because that was how things were. So I'm very lucky about that. And at college, I really, really liked being at college. It was lots of fun. But there I met, of course, 
townies, as we used to call them, because I'd always lived this country life and I had very little idea of what it meant to live in an urban area. And I made great friends there with with the with Maori, uh, my Maori friends. Juna, we we just went on together for the rest of our lives. We we were great friends, and um, I I I really that I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed discovering life, and um, yeah. So then, when I had finished my three years, got my school certificate, my university entrance, and. Um, then I thought, what, what now? But I, I think in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be a nurse. But I think my father had the idea that being the oldest girl, I should be staying home and helping the mother. Because that's what he did. He was from Wales. He would immigrated here. And so I, didn't, I got on the wrong side of my father over deciding on my career as a nurse. But I was determined. And come hell or high water, I was going to do it. And I did. And I, that, I, I really loved it. That was a three-and-a-half-year course. Uh, and I, it, was, it was a profession that really suited me. It was looking after people, but it was also gaining heaps of knowledge and um, about medicine, surgery, people, really, and people who needed um, that kind of help. Uh, and and I, I just loved it. And I, I've passed, you know, got my, my final exam, and from there, where to from there? But my best friend, I made my best friend, Wilma, who was um, in our nursing class, she's, we decided that we would like to go to Rome to the Olympics. And so then saving up the money. Now, this is something else that was pretty hard to do because we only earned five pounds a week. And sometimes I think it was, a, it was seven pounds a fortnight that we actually got paid. And out of that, we had to save up. But then we couldn't go by air. That was too expensive. We had to go by ship. And off we went to Rome to the Olympics. And I wasn't 100% sure what I was going to, but we decided that that looked absolutely great and we could follow up. And, of course, that was the year that um, um, New Zealand did very well at the Olympics. And we've not forgotten it. And, and we met um, Snell and shook his hand and, and, and being part of it all. And then we went on through, through on up through um, Switzerland and, and the other countries and on to England. And then I nursed over there as well, as well as seeing the country and going to all sorts of places. And then we decided, I had a partner at the time, because my best friend had to come back to New Zealand. So, and I'd, I'd, I'd met my friend on the ship and so he suggested that maybe we should get home overland we were, we were in London, it was freezing it was foggy, it was choking with smoke and we decided to get out of it and so off we went on a motor scooter and we motor scooted all through um, France over the Pyrenees into Spain on round and back into Italy again and on, over, crossed over onto, into Greece and then we went through Turkey and um, Iraq and Iran and into Afghanistan where um, I looked at a hospital but all that time I was in touch with the World Health uh, um, team that were there 
doing all sorts of things in, in the different countries. And I could, I didn't get it paid, you just helped them where we could. And then from Afghanistan, we went into Pakistan and into India, and I worked in a hospital in India for a while. Uh, and then I unfortunately caught um, lepto, and we went down to Ceylon, as was, it was, was called then, and I went up into the, the hills with the nuns, with the Catholic nuns, getting over it. And then when I was over it, we caught a ship over to Australia. Now, at that time, the Nullarbor Desert wasn't um, tar-sealed. It was just a dusty, dirt track. And uh, so we'd left the ship at Perth and then had to um, hitchhike across the desert. And that was, that was a story in itself. But I think... Out of all of that, that was where I learned resilience. That's how I learned to survive in all the different situations that we got ourselves into throughout all of that, you know, including the time when I was looking down the barrel of a gun. Um, but, and it was a fun thing that, that, that this Turkish guy was doing, but it might not have been. Um, and I think that's where I learned a lot about a lot of people and how other people lived and respect, respect for uh, whatever, because we saw lots of religions throughout all that time. So yeah, I, uh, and then I came home and um, I think it wasn't long before I got married and had children and this is just pricing it all because there's all sorts of stories in between all of that. <laughs> and um, and then I, I went into the motherhood role, which I absolutely loved. I was busy, busy all the time. But then my husband died at 41 from lung cancer. He'd been he'd been in the um, army in um, overseas, and you know I, I think and I was a heavy smoker, so. Um, I, but however, when you're standing alone you, and you've got three kids to look after, you have to say to yourself, well, goodness me, this is my job. I have to do this. I've got three kids to look after and I am not going to sit back and, and, and wallow. While I'm terribly sad, they come first. And they've actually come first in all my life. I um, I thought I'm going. They're going to have a similar upbringing to me. They're going to take responsibility. They're going to learn responsibility. They're going to learn to respect other people, and so I set about doing that. And it was it was it was great fun. My son was how we we got how I was managed there was he was a motocross rider. He was into motocross riding, riding a bike. His first bike was a was made with a um, uh, uh, lawnmower engine by a friend and he loved that and so then he progressed on to motorbikes and, and I got him into, into the sport. The two girls had ponies at a very early age but they had to look after them. We had, we had dogs, we always had a dog. That had to be, that our dogs had to be looked after as well. So they didn't get much time to get into trouble. They they were very busy because they were, and other things, you know, they like lighting, helping light the fire, helping do the baking, cooking, you know, it, that was how it was all done then. 
You're listening to The Locals on 89.03 FM. Welcome back. Here's part two of my conversation with Hazel Buns on her work in healthcare. And so then I went back nursing uh, when they were at school. Once they got to school, I, I, could, um, I could go back to, to nursing. And I did that in the maternity unit. Uh, and I loved, I always loved obstetrics, and um, uh, and and I, I I managed to get up to the what we call sisters in those days, when you could go through being a staff nurse with green epaulets on your shoulder, the next one was the blue ones to become uh, a sister, and I had a postnatal ward uh, to run, and but I did I did work all over um, in any of any of the departments in obstetrics. Um, and then I, I left. I can't, I'm trying to remember what, what, why I left, but anyway, I did, and I wanted to take up a role with public health nursing. And I'm skipping a few years here and a few other because I worked for the Crippled Children's Society, and I really loved that. Um, and I also worked for the Intellectually Handicapped Society, I think for about five years at each. And um, and then I um, became a public health nurse, and that was a real eye opener as to the state of public health in New Zealand, and it was appalling. And we worked very hard. Now those were the days when Maori babies were referred to a public health nurse, Pakeha babies were referred to Plunker. And so we'd pick up all of our, our babies by going into, into Campbell Johnson and, um, and offering our services. But when you're a public health nurse, you're not only just looking after the baby, you're looking after the whole family. And I got into a lot of lovely Māori homes. And, you know, it was, a, it was an eye-opener for me about the poor situation of, of health for them. And I... Uh, did a lot of work there to better their health and so then that drove me to say this this has got to be prevented it's, it's not not much use being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff we've got to stop all this poor health from happening and so I thought I've got to find out how you can do this and there was only one way and that was to stand for the um, the hospital board as it was called at the time and get onto it and I looked at how do you go about this and found out what I had to do so I stood for the Waikato rural area and flew in and I thought so then I got attacked by one of the doctors who'd stood and I'd, he, I'd won the vote and he'd lost it and he was very angry with me because he said, now look what you've done. Because the hospital board was really nearly all doctors and they decided where all the money was going to be spent in the hospital. Like for instance, the, you know, the orthopedic uh, surgeon was on there and so therefore he wanted his orthopedic wards uh, upgraded. And I actually agreed with that because the hospital was starting to, to wear out a bit. But I was very lucky. Uh, our general manager, Glenn Garlick, called me in one day and said to me, now Hazel, he said, I want to know what, what, what's your, what are your aspirations here? What is it that you want to do? 
And I said, well, what's really needed here is more money being put into Māori health. Um, and, you know, all my experience as a public health nurse is that they, they need help. They, you know, some of the stuff that they're expected to do, um, it's, not, not, it's not possible. So we worked out, so what out of the budget would it take to um, actually put that into place? So there was no community health at that time. And um, so he called in his comrade, his financial advisor, who was Wayne McLean, who was also a Māori. Glenn was Māori. And, and we worked out that, well, let's go for 5% of the budget and then we can work on that, see how that goes and, and, and get more as time goes by. And that's exactly how it all started. Because once it got going and, and that funding went out into the community, then community health became a really big issue. The clock got turned around or the funding got turned around. And um, so that was, that was a great thing. And, I, I, you know, the doctors were opposed to it, but there was enough of us that could... And, and I don't think for any, any bad reason, because they badly needed that spend in the hospital as well. So it was finding that fine balance of fairness to both sectors, but to also say we need to prevent these things from happening. And so that's what happened. Um, and, and so I, I was really happy with that, and I managed to be voted in um, for the next uh, elections for the area health board. Now, I think we were called an area health board there. That's when they change came. And, and then, of course, then what happened is that the Minister of Health then uh, changed it to um, commissioners. They wanted a better health system. And, uh, and then we were all sacked, of course, and <laughs> the commissioner was put in and who, I might say, did a disastrous job, and they had to rethink the commissioners and all that. So anyway, I trotted off because I'd done what I wanted to do, which was get that, that economy going, that finance going into public health. And, um, I, and I, I think I then, then I decided that it was a bit hard to be a nurse because you're restricted. Certainly if it's a nurse in the hospital, then you, your duty only in the hospital. It doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere else. You can be concerned about a patient, um, but that's, you, you can't do anything about it, except pass them on to another agency whom you help will act, hope will actually do something about it. But I think that um, that was the point when I thought, no, I need to do more. So I trained, I took on the training to be a social worker, a medical social worker. And uh, I got a job there in 1980. And my first ward that I worked in was the Department for the Elderly. And that was, that was very interesting because at the time there were rest homes that were, people could have three patients, they could have three old people living in their home and they didn't have to be registered. But the care that was going on there was had to be had to be supervised because it wasn't you know anybody could do it so anybody could rip them off and the family's thinking they're getting good care and it just simply wasn't good at all and some of the rest homes were below par as well so it was a case there and I had the most amazing 
um, geriatrician to work with, Dr. Tony Snell. He was an amazing man and younger, younger man. And we got cracking and we also said, right, we're gonna, some of the rules are going to be changed here. And I wasn't, so I, I fed all the information to him, but we got on like a house on fire. So between the two of us, we were able to close down those um, homes that were not working up to standard and had no supervision and no accountability for what they were doing. And so I, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, working out of the out of the department for the elderly. So then the hospital decided that they needed another social worker there as well. We divided it up and there was the young disabled unit then appeared. Tony and, and, and I worked together to get more recognition for our, our disabled and a rehabilitation unit. So that was the next move. And so then getting our patients rehabilitated and out to, to either go home, not, not, not just put them somewhere, but it was a genuine rehabilitation unit. And, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed that because I had a lot to do with the community and we had to, um, we all had to work together. And I think that's what I thoroughly enjoyed the most throughout all of that was actually going out into the community and finding like-minded people, like-minded organisations and knitting it all together for that patient in hospital so that when they were discharged they were discharged to the best care that they could possibly have and when there wasn't anything there go to the public and say I think we need to set up something here um, and you know then you'd find all your volunteers and wonderful people like that so I think and then I was allowed of course being a, a, a in the hospital I could go wherever I wanted to um, whenever there was a vacancy and I finally, I did work in, in the cancer ward for a while, and, uh, but then I found my way back into obstetrics because that was what I really liked. And there I worked with all sorts of situations of mothers with depression, uh, and I worked with a lovely team down in the Mothercraft unit as well. And... We were able to improve the health and the, the well-being of our, our young mothers, because and to see that to see that they got good services and good care when they, they went home. And we also one of the the areas that I was really most interested in was the 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 young teenage mum and what was happening to them and their babies being taken off them and not enough uh, education being put into their choices. So that was, then we, we got to the point where some mothers were wanting to keep their babies, but the family were all saying that they couldn't because they weren't qualified to do anything. So then it had to be a case of setting up classes for them to learn to care with their, with the father of the baby. So we had, I think, you know, 15 and 16, 17 years old um, young woman then learning to care for their babies. And the young, very, and any younger than that, they have to learn to care for their babies in their whanau or in their, in their family situation. That was a great time. I really enjoyed it. Because I think that sometimes the hang down for 
adopted children is they wonder who their mother and father were. And that was, I was, had something to do with the triangle. It was called the triangle, and it was adopted um, babies, but who now grown into young people who wanted to know who their mothers were. And the rules at the time then were uh, if, the, if the birth mother said they didn't want to ever see the, the baby again, then there was no way they could get past it. That law had to be changed so that they had a, they had some rights and all of that. So that was sort of, yeah, it felt good to be part of all of that. Um, and, and, you know, so then I, um, I, I, I think that I spent a lot of time there. I finally retired from the hospital in the year 2000. And by then, my appetite was really wet to do as much as I could in the community. And that's also about the time when I came to live in Kihikihi with my daughter and her baby. And I just, I just loved it over here. But again, I looked around Kihikihi and thought, my goodness, something needs to be done here. Um, and I looked at the state of the main street and I looked at the, the general unkept look of Kihikihi and then I discovered that it was kind of, oh, you don't live in Kihikihi, do you? And I was absolutely disgusted with the fact that anybody could say that about a place in New Zealand. So, and so then I headed off on my next adventure and that was to get on the council. Thanks Hazel, it was great to catch up and I'm in awe of your ability to get things done, it's, it's frankly inspiring. And given that this is your final term on council, um, I think you're going to leave some pretty big shoes to fill. Thanks again. That wraps up another show. You can find this and other episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, just search The Locals. And I'll post those links up on the Dan Armstrong Waipaikin Country Facebook page. We'll be back next week with another conversation. But until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. Haere ra. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.